Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Good morning, everyone. Oh my gosh, I love tuning in each week and connecting with all of you. It literally allows me to jump out of bed, head over to the microphone, and say hello to all of you. So good morning. I'm so happy we're able to connect today on Breast Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Laura Karfik, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and receive notifications each week when we come out with a new episode. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We also started something new. If you haven't heard of Patreon, go check it out. We have our very own Patreon account, and it is a great way to support the work that we do so we can continue to offer this content. And for all of you who tune in each week, I am so thrilled that we are able to connect again today. Before we jump into today's podcast, I want to let everybody know that we are going to be down in San Antonio next week for the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. So if you're listening and happen to be in the area, please find us at the conference. And you can always contact me at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org so we can meet up. All right, so let's dive right in. This podcast, I am so excited because this is really long overdue. Over the summer, William and I flew out to Portland, Oregon to meet with Alicia and Angela Duncan. And this meeting was amazing. I feel like... Alicia is my cancer twin. We can be on the phone for hours laughing. Um, It's always a little bit of back and forth with the time zone differences, being on the East Coast and West Coast. And you'll just hear a bunch of laughter as we use comedy as a way of coping with a breast cancer diagnosis. You will hear some fun inside jokes about how I turn into a pumpkin because I go to bed at 9 p.m. You'll also hear the realities of when I got my tattoos for radiation and they actually came out blue even though I was told they were going to look like a mole. We talk about everything from sex and intimacy, vaginal dryness, our diagnoses. Alicia is eight years and thriving so I am so thrilled to have her on the podcast today along with her caregiver Angela who has a background in psychology and specifically works with products to help women with sexual intimacy. So this is a one-hour podcast filled with so much information. It is super fun. You're going to hear us laugh. I hope you're laughing too as you're listening to our show, but then also realize that we are talking about some very serious topics, and we hope that you find this very educational and inspiring. Not only were we out there visiting some good and dear friends who we were meeting in person for the first time, but because of Alicia and Angela, we were invited to be plenary speakers at the Relay for Life event taking place this past August. And so there was, you can find us on YouTube, actually. There is a presentation given by myself, giving a presentation on survivorship, and then William giving a presentation on caregiving. So that was quite an honor. And this wouldn't have been made possible without amazing friends who listen and tune in every week from around the U.S. and around the globe. So without further ado, welcome to the conversation. Here we are, podcast, Breast Cancer Conversations. Thank you guys so much for... um, Pretty much everything leading up to this making, I feel like you and I, Alicia, have been talking for probably about a year or so, or maybe just, Mm -hmm. yeah, at least a year. And you found us, actually William and you connected over Twitter, I believe, and 
from there, I remember like we exchanged phone numbers and our first conversation, I think we talked for about an hour. And Only because you were going to turn into a pumpkin. So oh, we would have talked longer. Yes. Okay, exactly. So we would have talked longer. Yes. And, we, and that's why we had to fly out here to actually talk yeah. longer. Absolutely. And I don't think since I landed at 1130 this morning, we've shut up. So right. yep. <laughs> there's clearly a lot to talk about. Um, and we're eating pizza and we're having dinner. And this is just like literally roundtable conversation. So for mm-hmm. all of you listeners out there and for all of you like watching live on Facebook, um, grab some dinner, grab a drink, yeah. and join the conversation. Cheers. So cheers. Cheers. We talked for about an hour and I turned into a pumpkin because, yep. you know, it was nine o'clock. But I feel like what I'm so impressed with is that you are eight years out from your diagnosis, which first of all, like congratulations, that is just so huge and stellar and such an inspiration for all of our listeners because you're in it, right? And you're in the thick of it and you're just like, I just need to get to next week. I need to get to my next infusion. I need to just get past surgery. I need to just get past exchange, etc. And you always have these milestones and you never think it's going to end. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And you are eight years out. And this is just like rub off on me because whatever you're doing, like <laughs> keep on doing. Pizza, wine, and some salad. That's what I do. <laughs> That's the prescription right there. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, but I feel like this last um, this last couple of hours, you know, you took us on a tour of Portland. You were showing us around. Um, you and Angela were sharing your you know day-to-day with us. And... You talk about cancer as if it happened yesterday, and I mean this in a very positive way. It's not that we're thinking about cancer all the time because, woe is me, I'm so nervous and worried that cancer is going to come back, or, oh my God, cancer, I'm the victim. But we talk about it as this like empowering badge of honor where it's like, I beat cancer, I fought cancer, I am living with cancer, and I'm still fighting with cancer, right? Mm-hmm. It's this very positive day in the life of. Do you want to talk a little bit about, like, is it really just something you like that comes so natural to you? Yeah, actually it does. So I almost find in every conversation a way to, um, I don't find a way for it to interject, but it comes to that point where it is interjecting. It's like, oh, that relates to the cancer because, um, you know, you fought it, you beat it. It was a, it was a type of strength that you didn't realize you had. Um, it's a type of, um, it, it kind of shows everything, you know, you feel all of the um, big pieces that cancer has affected, you kind of feel it all together um, with every part of your life, you know, whether it's um, you're talking about weight gain or you start talking about, you know, side effects and um, or you're sitting at, at dinner and somebody starts talking about, you know, their weight and you're like, well, yeah, I, look at my weight, you know, thanks to the medication or whatever. But in the end, it also is an empowering thing because you really have um, beat something that so many people haven't. You know, they've lost their lives to it. Uh, they have fought it. And I, I used to say that um, it was the, the strength that kept me through it. But, you know, it, it is that, but it's the support that you, you get from your caregivers. Um, but I also have found and, and have seen women and, and men, but women pass away from the cancer. And, and I would never say that none of them were strong enough to beat it, you know. Um, it's mm-hmm. just a terrible disease. and But it does make you feel really good when you know that you have beat something so incredibly difficult and something that takes a toll uh, for several years with treatment mm-hmm. and then it continues after treatment. So yes. it's kind of always something that's in the front forth of your mind. Well, absolutely. And that's the new, that's your new normal. Right. That's your new journey throughout life is um, I am a cancer survivor and I'm constantly beating and it's constantly there. 
what can I do to prevent it from coming back? What can I do to help others who are going through this? What can I do to, you know, keep myself healthy? So it's just, so not only is it challenging to go through and beat cancer, but it's challenging to learn the new norm. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. And I feel like when you start to find your new norm and you start to kind of accept it a little bit, um, you have almost overcame another chunk of that uh, tough uh, ability because that's exactly what it does. You know, it's when you know it's another portion that is hard to you know you beat cancer, you beat the disease itself, but then you're trying to overcome that new norm. And when you do, it's um, it's like oh my gosh, I just overcame something else challenging, and it's another reward uh, type feeling that that you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you bring up so many points. I'm, like, scrambling to find, like, my pen and paper over here because, like, right in those, like, first five minutes, you've touched upon, like, language. So, like, what type of language empowers you, right? So, like, you are drawn to using terminology like, I beat cancer, I've overcome something. And especially, you know, on these conversations, too, talking with people who are metastatic cancer, um, you know, they don't want to ever feel like I was not strong enough. Right? right, that I lost my battle because it was something I did versus the cancer doing something to me. And that is something that I love talking about because everyone's language is so specific to them. Like some people really thrive on words like fighter and you know warrior and that is so empowering which I love and then there's other people who really talk about I am somebody living with cancer mm -hmm. and I talked to somebody recently too who used the words I am healing from cancer mm -hmm. because she was also metastatic but talking about every single day she's like fueling her body with like nutrients and everything to say you know what I don't even want to acknowledge the stage that I'm in because that's irrelevant. Right. I'm living, yep. right? And yep. you're overcoming and you're challenged, like you're, everyone should be so proud of themselves Absolutely. because this isn't something that we chose. Right. It happened to us. We are, we were, I mean, we have choices, but really it's, do I sign the consent form and take this like terrible chemotherapy right. or do I take my chances and like, I don't know, try some other natural paths to see what I can do, and it's all such a very personal choice. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you kind of just diving right in and opening up that yeah. landscape right there. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting when when you you talk about that too. Is um, when I was starting out at with Relay for Life, uh, it was my first year. I was about um, three days from my first chemo, and uh, they had said. You know, we wear purple shirts because every survivor gets a purple shirt and it says survivor on the back. And I at first said, well, I don't I don't deserve to wear that, you know. And, and um, I had a friend that came up to me and said, why don't you deserve to wear that? And I said, well, look at all these people that are getting ready to walk because they they beat cancer. You know, they went through that um, incredibly tough, uh, you know, um, most difficult time in their life. And I'm just I don't even know if I'm going to live. You know, I don't necessarily I think it was stage three. And so my friend said uh, the most empowering words to me were um, surviving is a survivor. And it was the it has stuck with me for the eight years, mm -hmm. literally, um, because I use that every day yep. in my job with the clients that I talk to every day on the phone. Um, a lot of my clients are breast cancer survivors. And, you know, they well, I've only been, you know, I'm two months out or a month out or eight years out. I said, it doesn't matter. Surviving is, you know, survivor. Mm -hmm. You are a survivor. You are surviving. From the minute that you find out that you have cancer, 
That's it. Yep. You're fighting. You're fighting. I totally agree. And yeah. oh my, this is like so symbiotic. I mean, the reason why I've started survivingbreastcancer.org and specifically chose the word surviving, if you go onto our website mm -hmm. and scroll down on the homepage just a little bit, I have the definition of how we define survivor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know not everybody identifies with that word mm -hmm. and that's totally fine, but I take your definition a hundred percent. Like you are surviving, you are alive right now yep. and you're part of this community. And like, Come join the party. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It, it is a, it is a almost, um, I call it a sisterhood, but I know there are men out there who have been diagnosed with breast cancer, but it is a giant family of, of people in the most odd and awkward, you know, um, subject, you know, it's, yeah. we all have, uh, you know, scars and we've had chemo or we've had the lumpectomy, but in, in, in the end, we've all been told you have cancer and that's what it. That's what it comes down to. And when you when you have been told those words, you can get along with and you almost mold to somebody else who has heard those words because regardless of the stage, it is just comes down to those words because you don't know, you know, stage zero, people have passed away. Stage four, pass away, you know, so it just doesn't matter your stage. What matters is that you've heard those words and you have to start fighting as soon as those words come out. Exactly, and you make a choice for like how you're going to then move forward. Right. Day to day. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's why I tell people too, um, you know, as we're launching the podcast, I'm personally working a little bit more on our intro and like, you know, what our like soundtrack is going to be. But now just addressing like, thank you all for like just showing up today because Absolutely. you didn't have to. And it's a choice. Like yeah. whether you like get out of bed and brush your teeth and wash your face and go back to bed because you're tired, you know what? You put two feet on the ground and you chose to show up. And so like right there, like, thank you for doing that. Absolutely. I love it. Um, the other thing that you talked about was you find a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I heard was like you almost deliberately find a way to bring it up in conversations. Yeah. And I think that is so awesome because we talk a lot also about how does breast cancer define me or does it not define me? How does it, it doesn't have to be a definition of who I am or my identity or my core values. It was just a chapter in my life. Um, Before she talks about that, can I tell you the first couple years after treatment and after you were clear, that wasn't something that was talked about every day. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that was brought up every day. That During that time, I believe looking back, that was a lot of, wow, things just calmed down a little bit. I've gone through my chemotherapy, radiation. I've gone through my surgeries. You know, um, now I need to process everything that just happened to me. Mm -hmm. And me, I was the one who was telling everybody, <laughs> you know, it was interesting earlier we were talking about how William had said something about you having breast cancer yes. at, at, at the wait staff. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how I was as well. It was, um, hi, I'm Angela and she's had breast cancer. My yes. girlfriend <laughs> has breast cancer, you know, or she just beat breast cancer. We it was would like, be at the grocery store yes. in line picking out vegetables. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm buying these vegetables, you know, because she had cancer yes. and I'm like, that was me too, and I can't tell you, and it was funny because he said he, you almost caught him off guard. He didn't know, William didn't know how to answer that. Like, yeah. well, I don't know why I said I don't know why I said that either. A lot of it is, I think I was so proud oh. of the fact that the person that I love just beat cancer. And, you know, and, and it did. It took a couple years before she was finally like, hey, this is my new norm, and now I'm going to take such a negative experience, and I'm going to make it a positive. I'm really glad you bring that up and kind of bring us back um, mm -hmm. to actually those years. Because eight years is a long time of like, it seems like it happened yesterday, but there's this whole 
other piece too of that transformation of processing mm -hmm. and um what am i trying to formulate here i'm just you, you articulated it like honestly perfectly <laughs> so i appreciate that we never actually did formal introductions so let's actually do this whole podcast backwards so we started with eight years you beat cancer. Yeah. We love the language. This is what we're using. Um, you know, we're never ever trying to offend anybody, but like, you know, we're taking this because this is who we're talking with today and it's working. Yeah. From there, you know, we talk about it all the time, but even before that, you know, three years ago, five years ago, it's not something you talked about. And then eight years ago, you were diagnosed. Right, sure. And let's talk a little bit about who you guys are. You mentioned already in these like first 10 minutes like in your business you talk to survivors all the time like I didn't even ask you like what do you do so let's like rewind let's go we're, this is like awesome because we've never done a podcast in reverse before yeah um, that's how we roll yeah, we're just we... us Portlanders we're... <laughs> keep Portland reversed <laughs> love, it. love it new hashtag everyone that will that's it um, so yeah Angela tell us a little bit about what you do and what brought you into the breast cancer world so I uh, work for Hip Hemp LLC, and what we do is make uh, vaginal organic moisture pearls. For um, we are originally designed for breast cancer survivors who cannot have estrogen. Um, the thing is, for breast cancer, especially estrogen fed, you know, you we want estrogen is out of the body because that's what caused the cancer, right? right. Um, well, unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, what a lot of uh, people who are going through cancer do not know is that, or even in general do not know, women do not know is that, um, you know, as soon as we lose our estrogen, stuff starts drying up. And it doesn't matter if you're 20, it doesn't matter if you're 80, you need estrogen to keep stuff vital and, you know, and... And, and they don't always tell you that. Yeah, they no, don't. they don't. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we decided right, to... Right, here first. <laughs> <laughs> Hip hemp, um... We came up with this product. It's all organic, natural, uh, grapeseed oil, vitamin E, and hemp seed oil. That's it. That's all we put in our product. Worked very closely with gynecologists, oncologists, naturopathic doctors to make sure that we make a product that will not affect a woman's natural flora, um, that will actually work as well. And um, it's been a very successful, successful company. But I would say probably 75% of my clients are breast cancer survivors. Yep. And that, that's because uh, Mary Jane is, um, some people know, know her, Mary Jane Hockey. Uh, she tattoos breast cancer survivors mm -hmm. um, or breast cancer individuals. I mean, they were all survivors um, from like since the 1980s. Wow. So she, um, she tattooed my chest and that was something that she heard she's very passionate about um, breast cancer and her clients and and their comfort and so she invented this company knowing that um, she was gonna help them with all of the things that she has you know heard while they have sat in that chair and been tattooed because you sit there for four or five hours you know and several different increments throughout a year to get your chest piece done um, to cover up those scars and so she heard all of the things that are, are hard to do and all the that you know um, it's the symptoms and mm -hmm. um, the side effects and this and that and so she but then she didn't realize that creating this um, company was actually helping all women because Absolutely. all mm -hmm. women still end up dealing with the we same, age that's yeah, just what age. happens unfortunately you I haven't know, found the fountain of youth yet yep, I wish you take I did, care but... of your face you take care right. of your hands you know people are, are wanting youthful hands and makeup and lotions and stuff why not take care of the vagina and that was exactly. kind of her 
Exactly. And as you, as, as a woman ages, we go through menopause and that's the first thing that goes is your estrogen. And, um, you know, that then there's, there's dryness, there's pain, there's atrophy, uh, along with those things, dryness, pain, and atrophy, you get, um, UTIs, frequent urination problems, bladder leakage, and the list goes on and on. And so that's why this product was designed was to help those women that cannot have estrogen or women that do not want to put estrogen in their body. And, and, um, can I just stop you right there? Yeah, I'm sorry, absolutely. just because, um, like train of thought here and like chemo brain. So I yeah, feel like absolutely. This is, no, but no, no. you just listed a whole bunch of side effects that yeah. don't come on the prescription bottle of when we're on these exactly. estrogen like prohibitors. So, absolutely. yep. Wow. Okay. Tell, can you tell me more? Like, and that's, you know, it's very interesting. That's one thing. Um, I would say 85% of my clients that I talk to, they all tell me the same thing that my doctor never told me that this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And growing up, you know, um, your mom might sit down and talk to you about having your period and about what happens as you become a woman, but your mom never sits down and tells you, uh, by the way, you're going to age and you're going to lose, you know, estrogen and you're going to get dry. And your vagina's going to dry up. Yeah. They, they don't. Day. Yeah. And so this is stuff, for some reason, society has made it such a taboo subject as well. And that's something that we need to get past, you know, and that's that one day at a time we're taking it but we're hoping that um you know it we can get past that that taboo education subject and knowledge. education and Completely. um just letting women know hey there's a safe place you can come you can join you know our community you can learn all about these products but you can talk and say hey i experience this and there's nothing that says a woman cannot enjoy sex either why do you have to grin and bear it you don't Yep. Exactly. Let's, you know, let's be happy. And we can ask questions too. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. I feel like sometimes we don't even know the questions to ask. Right. And okay, sure, it could be taboo or people go through this in silence sure. or suffer through it in silence while they're actually going through menopause naturally. Mm -hmm. But how do you deal with this when you are medically induced into menopause? When you're Absolutely. 30 years mm -hmm. old yep. or in the 30s like you and I and your body wants to be that age including your vagina and then but your medications are pushing you into somebody who's 70 80 who has sometimes progressed into that position of, of health and and um and issues so that's exactly it it's it's very hard for people because you're you know my doctor told me that how she treats me is how she treats People in their mm -hmm. 70s and 80s mm -hmm. she said I don't treat anybody in their 30s with the with the, the, the pneumonia shot things like that you know she says it's just completely um, it's completely different for for us yes. and so it is um, there's a lot of emotional issues that come along with that and you know um, when your ecology at, at the ecologist they tell you you know well let's talk about you know your sexual issues that you have and even then it, people get kind of shy and it's like oh no uh, I'm fine I'm yeah, fine. no, I'm good. I'm good. But in reality, mm -hmm. um, they're not, you know. And you hear that in conversations. People, they're just not comfortable talking to mm -hmm. doctors and people um, about it because it's sure. it's always it's such a, a private, private thing. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so, but especially people like me, you know, me and you, that that age that it's like we're not supposed to be um, in this position. We're not supposed to have these sexual issues. We're not supposed to have these different complications. Um, you know, and so it's very confusing for our bodies because we didn't have the progression even. It was, it went from normal to problems. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how it wraps up. Mm -hmm. very, Overnight. Very, very powerful conversation. This is wonderful. And it needs to be said. 
as we were talking about it, Angela, we need to break that taboo. Absolutely. Women need to be able to turn someplace right. in order to overcome the obstacle of vaginal dryness. Right. In order to overcome the the um, the scar of a lack of intimacy. Yep. Yep. So please continue. We yes, love it. we absolutely yes. love it. Yes, this is, sure, this is for sure. just a great talk. Well, and what I want to say too to that point is it happens overnight. Mm -hmm. yes. So unlike going through natural menopause that can take over five to ten years over a woman's lifetime where she, I mean, I've never done it naturally, so <laughs> I assume it happens and you ease into it. Mm -hmm. For us, when you're medically induced, you legit wake up like 85 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if you go through a hysterectomy or any sort of, um, you know, surgery to have your ovaries and fallopian right. tubes removed, like, or get these shots because all of a mm -hmm. sudden, like, I mean, I haven't had my period since 2016. Mm -hmm. And the only positive thing is I know I can get in the swimming pool at any time, any place, <laughs> anywhere, and wear my white pants, and there's not a problem. But you can go in the ocean and you don't have to worry about sharks. Ooh, that is a perk right there. Yeah. All right. So to all my friends out in like the East Coast, when we were down at the Cape a couple weekends ago, and we were worried about the sharks. No, no not, not this you. girl. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, know, but that's such a good point. Like it happens it overnight, and the yeah. intensity of the hot flashes, the mm -hmm. intensity of the yep. symptoms, I feel mm -hmm. like are exponential. Mm -hmm. Yes, Which and it's a lot very of emotional issues. Absolutely, and it's very interesting because I just had a client call me today to. Um, talk to me and place an order and it's it's I try so hard to make it comfortable for them when they call um everybody who picks up the phone and they call me and um I'm very friendly and I talk to them and they said well I'm calling about the pearl that helps with the dryness you know down there and I said okay you know so you're having vaginal dryness let's talk about this let's see what we can do to figure this out I don't know why it's so hard for me to say dry vagina hee 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 you know and right. and that's talking to another woman mm -hmm. and so if that tells you about how society has made this you know turn yeah. into we don't have to all be 13 years old and say the word vagina and then giggle or right. whisper or be like our son when he wants to talk about all of his business he says my Netherlands you know that's his <laughs> that was his referral to it you know it, it's like we're grown-ups and we are you know especially right. female to female let's just and, talk it, and about it's it. okay and that's that's where I try to help ease and say it's okay let's talk about this and by the time we get off the phone you know they've really dumped into it but this lady today to, to me says you know I had breast cancer over 20 years ago uh, they completely did a full hysterectomy uh, my doctor never once said you know, you're going to go, yes, you'll go through menopause, but they never once said you're going to have atrophy later in life. And she said she went into her gynecologist just a couple weeks ago and they said, what do you expect when you turn a 20 year old vagina into a seven year old vagina? and you don't have estrogen. But you don't know what to expect. Exactly, that's it, that's it. And that's what <laughs> that she was said, the well, response. Yeah, I know, and I couldn't believe it when she told me that. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna send you some samples, okay? <laughs> or they say you're gonna go into menopause as if we know what that means. I know, right. that's you, the other Especially problem, when yes. you're, you know, 20 years old, 30s, it's like, menopause what you know i know that you grow beards and that's about it that's what i know right. and you don't get your period anymore yeah. you can't have children yeah, 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 okay yeah. cool right. like i get that that's yeah. fine but what does that mean how does that help what is what does all that happen what happens to you when that happens right and so not only do you have for example alicia your new norm with not being reconstructed but now 
you have vaginal dryness and you have these new experiences and pain that you're experiencing that you never experienced before. Mm. And so, yeah, how does that work in relationships? How does that work for you personally? How, you know, what's, what's interesting is when I was first diagnosed um, with the, the breast cancer, um, I was... Oh, I love that. The breast cancer. The breast cancer. <laughs> it's very like... <laughs> Alicia, I don't think you've identified yourself yet. Uh, well, I am Alicia, and I, hi Alicia. Hi Alicia, and I am a breast cancer alcoholic. Cheers to that! Oh my God, that is a thing. I didn't know that was a thing, but I'm so glad I'm not alone. Here's a new birth norm. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was diagnosed in 2011 with um, what they thought was originally going to be stage two breast cancer, invasive ductal carcinoma. Um, it turned out after the surgery, after the chemo and then the surgery, they found it to be stage three. Um, when I had the, my lymph nodes taken out, there were, um, five of the 12 lymph nodes that had been, um, actually had, had the cancer in them, but it was actually protruding out of the lymph nodes. So, um, oh even after the chemo had gone through and tried to do its job, I still, it wasn't, um, as good of a reaction that the the doctors were all hoping we would have so they saw some scar tissue but they just saw also where it was protruding out of the lymph nodes um did you do the chemotherapy first i did mm -hmm. so did i did okay yep. yeah and i didn't have a complete response either okay interesting yeah. and that's why they say that i was told i don't know about you but they said that, that they do that with young people so that they know what kind of response that chemo is going to do on us yeah yeah totally interesting yep. to see and and we felt the tumor size shrink like there was a lot of momentum and positivity every time I would go in we would do like the self exams and you know it wasn't mammography it was just like through touch and you know the self breast exams but you could feel the shrinkage of the size of the tumor from when I first walked in the door okay. and so my oncologist was super like excited and it was almost like I can't wait for the surgery and get confirmation that you had a 100% response rate to this type of treatment yeah yeah, I, I remember sitting there after the surgery and my and my breast surgeon who if she's watching uh, You were amazing. I mean she mm -hmm. was just the most personable uh, Surgeon I've ever I mean doctor in general that I had ever had up to that point and um, She she sat in front of me after the surgery and she said we didn't get the response that we thought we were gonna get and she said, um, and it's it's a little more aggressive than what we thought. And mm. I remember her, um, I said, well, what stage is that then? And she said, well, it would be considered stage three. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, that is just, that is the end of the world. Because I know that stage four is not a survival. Um, and and so I thought, metastatic. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, that's, that's not good. You know, that was very... Um, that was very hard to to swallow because I thought, okay, I'm stage two. You know, I had that mindset that a lot of people um, still come to us and say, oh, well, I'm only stage zero, I'm only stage one, and that was my mindset. It was, oh, I'm just stage two, so I'm kind of out more out of the woods than somebody else. And um, and so it was a reality check when they said stage three. It just made me more scared, and I thought. But then in the end, I thought, you know what? I, I had it owned when I was in stage two. Mm -hmm. There is nothing different, you know. I'm I'm still gonna fight it the same. I'm still gonna keep the mindset. Um, I used to say cancer, you know, it will take my hair, it will take my breast, but it's not gonna take who I am. And that's what I told her um, when I had to deal with the, the new norm. I thought, I, I don't even, you know, it changed everything about me, but I said it's not gonna take who, who I am inside. Um, and it didn't, you know, and that didn't change no matter what stage it was or, or mm -hmm. now is. It's 
it's amazing how you can internalize the information, yeah. right? Like, so many thoughts right now. So, like, you got diagnosed at stage two. You went through treatment and came out a more aggressive stage. Right. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> yeah. That is a great question. I know. Um, so, I, I did ask that question. And um, from the biopsy and from the scans, it was like my, uh, my lymph nodes. I had one that was uh, four, four centimeters. And so I think what it, it sounds like it was blocking the ones that were in there um, and it kind of molded some of them. So from the pictures and the image um, images that they, it appeared that there was only, um, I think they thought it was only two lymph nodes that were involved when they were able to get in there and actually take the whole patch out is where they found that it was um, yeah. all, all five and then some. Yeah, and that's a really scary moment too is like, you go through surgery and there's so much lead up to surgery and I remember my anxiety levels through the roof waiting for my pathology after the surgery oh yeah it was like i was so happy to wake up from surgery first of all i'm like i'm awake like this is a good thing like <laughs> you know very basic needs right here i'm like yeah well, was like hierarchy um but then it was like oh my gosh what if i didn't get complete margins i would have to go through the surgery again what if you know i um ended up doing a double lumpectomy on both sides and you know, what if they found um, cancerous tissues on the other breast right. that was undetected and asymptomatic? Right. What if there was so many what ifs and the lymph nodes? I had the full auxiliary, auxiliary node dissection and what if more came back, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's, one, you're in this like, yay, happy, I, I'm awake from the anesthesia and I survived the surgery and I'm managing the drains and I'm going through the day to day. But seven days later, you go back for your pathology and you talk to your doctors and your life can also change again instantly in that Absolutely. moment. And once the first time that you're told you have cancer, when you never thought that that could happen to you in a million years, that's always in the back of your head now. So in seven days, I go back. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, will it? Because the first time it wasn't fine. We battle that. Um, she's as the caregiver. She's very positive. She tries to be the um, almost to a fault because uh, I say, mm -hmm. Do you have to be so positive? Can you just be scared with me, you know? <laughs> and I'm scared to death. She, I'm scared to death, but I'm always trying to tell her, it's, oh, no, it's just sinus. You know, or it's, oh, your headaches? Well, it's allergies. Oh, you know. But if you're that concerned, you need to call the doctor. And, yep, I, and with my uh, quick wit that I have, because uh, that's what we do. It's like a side effect of chemo. You get so quick witty over here, like it's like Spitfire. Yeah, chemo equals quick wit. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and they don't tell you that no, when you go no. in. They need to tell us caregivers that. So you know what to yeah, yeah. So you guys be prepared. Yeah. They come yeah. out sassy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it was what I tell her is. Um, you know, she says, well, yeah, but this can be explained with, you know, you've been really stressed or you just, you know, you just worked out or you just did this. I'm like, yeah, but it was all explained in the beginning when I, but that's how I got into my situation of it being as aggressive as it was because I explained it. Everything that I had symptomatic was explained from life. And that's why I got in the position that I'm in. Mine wouldn't be as aggressive and it, it, I would have caught it sooner and maybe had a better outlook and outcome. But I didn't because it was explained. So now anything that can still be explained is um, not good enough for me. You know, it's right. still a panic because it's like, shoot, it could be explained, but it always has been explained. Mm -hmm. And it it's either cancer or life. And I've already done that kind of 50-50 chance right. and lost. And, well, no, you're winning. 
I'm winning now. Yeah, you're, you're now. winning now. <laughs> right? Got my hair back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little wins along the way. Um, what type of cancer, so you mentioned stage three, but what type of like pathology came back? Were you HER2 positive, triple positive, triple negative? Um, you know what? <laughs> the funny thing is the... Uh, There's so, always a story here when I ask that question. I know. Way. It's I know. never black and white. It really isn't. It really isn't. So it's a trick question. It was, uh, it was negative, HER2 negative, but um, it was like estrogen fed. So it was, um, it was, it was never just a black and white situation. I you know. know. I know. It was, uh, in fact, I didn't even know what kind of cancer I had when, because um, I had my biopsy and... Uh, I had a, um, a PA, a physician assistant, and um, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she was uh, not a good side, bedside manner, and um, she waited an extra day to tell me my, my, you know, when you're already waiting for your results and your biopsy to come back, and it's been not only the weekend, but now it has become uh, into the week, and I was just panicked. I'm freaking out, you know, and... And so I'm trying to, to just, you know, distract myself. Um, I finally get her on the phone and she tells me uh, that it's cancer. She says, um, she was first, she, I answer the phone. She says, oh, you sound busy. And I was in the car. I pulled over. I rolled up the windows. I turned off the AC in the middle of summer because um, I had to hear every single word she was about to tell me. And so she said, well, you sound busy. I said, I am not busy. You need to tell me my, <laughs> I'll call you back in five minutes. No, you won't. You will tell me my, <laughs> my results. So she says to me, um, well, it's, uh, this is how she says, da, 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 oh, it's cancer. That's it. Bam. It's cancer. I was like, what is cancer? You know, it's like, wait, what, what is cancer? I'm cancer. I have cancer. Right. I think you're mistaken. So, um, <laughs> she then, I said, well, what kind of cancer? You know, I mean, I didn't know that there was uh, breast cancer, brain cancer, lung. I thought it was just cancer is cancer and it happens to land on your brain. Or happens to land on the breast, or how, you know that just exactly. Makes it that. That's such a good point too. Right. So I had no idea. I, I didn't even know about. I, I knew lymphedema or lymphoma and leukemia were the only two cancers I was um, even just aware of the words really. And so she says that it was um, it was definitely um, breast cancer. And I said, well, okay. And and I like it like breast cancer only has one breast cancer. And I said, well, is that just breast cancer? Yeah, it's just breast cancer. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she said. And I said, how bad is it? You know. And she her her response was. Um, Alicia, do you have people in your life that are important to you? Yeah. Okay, you need to... I mean, who doesn't? I, mean, what? I know. She says, you need to spend as much time with those people as you can. And then she follows it up and I said, well, am I dying? Am I going to die? She says, "If do you have spiritual beliefs? Uh, what? You know, I was like, uh, uh, I, I guess so, you know, well... I do now. I do now. I know. Are we reading me my last rites? And so... Um, Okay, I'm like jaw dropped here for people yeah, listening on the podcast. Yeah, like, yeah. this is. is a true story. Absolutely, yes. yes, absolutely. And so I, I followed up with, um, I said, well, it, what do we know what stage it is? She says, um, and then she says, and she reads, was so funny. It's funny now. It was not funny then. Right. She tells me, um, so here, here's the thing. She goes, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, it's a six in your in your lump in your breast. And I said, what the hell's a six mean? And she goes. Uh, let, me, let me look and so she she to read the legend at the bottom and she says oh six is for sure cancer and I said what does that mean I said are we like on a zero to ten like what was the scale she says it's she says it's zero to um, six zero being nothing six being cancer and I said oh well perfect 
so I have so I won the lottery and so then she tells me uh, I was a six she goes oh yep six in your in your lymph nodes oh I was like what about my lymph nodes because I didn't even realize that that was a thing I didn't realize that we were even oh either did I yeah I went okay sorry to interrupt but I went through this is so funny so funny now yeah totally funny now that's my new thing that's a good one yeah (laughs) funny now um so they order all these tests and I've never really been sick before I've never broken bones I've always been like like I don't know I go for my physical once a year and things are cool so I think I might have cancer so I go in for my like screening my diagnostic screening and all of a sudden my oncologist is ordering all of these tests. Happens on a Monday. My mom flies out from Chicago to be with me and William while I'm going through a day of testing. CT scans, MRIs, and um, a full body bone scan. Have you ever done a full body bone yes. scan? Mm-hmm. Um, I never have. This was my first time, mm-hmm. right? But you know, like the machine comes an inch above your body. Yeah. They wrap you up like a mummy. Yeah. And then they leave the room. Right. And I'm like, what if the machine falls on me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't get out. Yeah. I can't move my head. I can't call for help. I'm strapped down on a machine that comes millimeters from my head. Yeah. And scans my entire freaking body. Yeah. And the guy walks back in the room to like, you know, to make sure the computer's still on or whatever it is that they're doing. And I'm like... Like, mumbling, like, can you not leave the room? <laughs> like, please don't leave the room. He's like, is everything okay? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, why did you leave the room? Did you just strap me down on this machine? And I am, I can't move. And you left. You left. This is the worst date ever. <laughs> I was totally freaking out. Oh, my God. But I didn't know what they were looking for. So this was, I don't even call it denial. I just did not know. Right. I thought my doctor ordered a bunch of tests. I was going through the process, and I was going to come out fine. Right. Yeah. And in the meantime, what I didn't realize was my mom and William in the waiting room knew exactly what this test was. And they were trying to identify how far the cancer had spread because it was identified that I had breast cancer um, from the mammogram and the biopsies. And then... We just didn't know if it went to my bones, if it went to my liver, if it went to the organs. And so we had to go through all of these tests to actually see and confirm Mm -hmm. how far it actually went. And had I known that when these tests were ordered, I would have been petrified. Yeah. Here I am like, oh, there's this new test. All right, cool. Let me put on my Johnny and hop on the hop on the machine. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they're strapping me down. I'm like, where is this going? What is happening? And so... It's scary, and I think this is why I'm going into that level of detail here too and kind of laughing about it, but unless you Google bone scans, unless you like go on YouTube and see what the machine looks like, see what the MRI machine looks like, see what the CT scan looks like, ask someone what Bramamine tastes like when you have to drink these like terrible things, it's all for good reason, but we don't have the information. It's right. not available to us. Right. And you don't know to ask those questions because you don't know that they're what they're doing the test for half the time or um, what they're looking for or, um, you know, they, there's that, that uh, the uh, the stuff that, the dye that... Um, oh, that contrast. Contrast. Yes. Thank you. That makes you want to pee your pants for a split <gasps> second. You're like, 
what is happening? I thought my cancer was up in my chest. What? Why am I? And I already have a menopause problem, so I already I don't need help like almost peeing my pants. Right. And so I was like, why? And then it's like it's gone. It's like okay, well thank goodness. But they also don't tell you when you go into your radiation appointment for the first time. They have you and you're laying on your back with, um, you know, I never, I, I pick female doctors when I can. Um, a lot of women do, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're more comfortable anyways. But um, I had a, a male doctor. I had, I had a couple male um, radiation staff. The doctors and, and staff there were amazing. I loved every one of them. But, um, you know, you have them. They, they, they pull open your shirt. You've got, I had one giant what I call uniboob because I couldn't have the second breast removed because chemo and my, um, had, had, had hurt my heart so much. So I had just this one giant boob. I have, you know, three people leaning over me, putting dots with pen marks all <gasps> over me. And then yes. they're like, okay, we're going to do a, my, my first tattoo, um, was the radiation tattoos, you know, my which too. hurt on your <gasps> ribs. Yes. I was like, they totally oh, hurt. Grief, what, what is that? <laughs> I was told they were going to be black and look like a mole. Mine are blue. Mine are blue. Mine too. I was like, that is not black like a mole. That looks like I dropped my pen and I didn't shower. Yes, I know. And I had like three of them. I was like, I looked at them like, what is that? That doesn't look like a mole. That literally looks like I had died. You know, it looks like, I mean, that was was terrible. And so I'm laying there. I don't care how small it is. I see it. I see it too. Until I got my chest tattoo. And and I I told Mary Jane, I said, you have got to cover these stupid, like little, you know, little marks. I mean, and, uh, and and so we did, thankfully. But I was not having that. I was like, that is the worst idea. But nobody tells you this stuff, and well, they don't even get the color right. But <laughs> and I told my nurses too. I was like, just like FYI, like it's blue. It's blue. <laughs> like, but they were grateful. They were like, thank you. I'm like, I just want to let you know, like, yeah. it's not black or brown. Like, yeah. it does not look normal. It doesn't. Yeah. So thanks. Uh, it was funny because now cancer. I have melanoma. Thank you. <laughs> well, and and this one over here, we, uh, you know, my first, she started coming to me to the with me to the radiation appointments. I mean, the first one was the most emotional radiation appointment I've ever done. I couldn't get myself together. It was, I mean, I cried, and the machine. I didn't know what the machine did. I didn't. I mean, it doesn't. You don't feel it right away, you know, and the, but the, and the machine is decently away from you, but it looks like, um, if, if you've ever seen Flight of the Navigator movie, mm. it looks like that little giant head that swirls around you in front. I mean, that's exactly what this thing does, and you're like, I don't know what is going to happen if this is going to be like an Independence Day thing where it just shoots straight through Right, like, or I beam onto, like, Mars. <laughs> right, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Am I radioactive right now? You know, what is happening? And, uh, and so, or, um, you, you know, you've seen Final Destination where they laser the lady's eyes and her eyes pop out. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to expect. I don't know. And so I remember just laying there and I was just, my lip is quivering and I couldn't get myself. I was a blubbering mess. And one of the, the females came in, one of the female nurses, and she comes in and she says, she was the same age as me. We went to about the same high school um, on the beach. She was just below, but we both played basketball and we um, had figured out that we actually played each other. And um, it was really, it was really interesting to see somebody who is actually my age, and 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 had been athletic with me, and like where she's at now, and I'm on the table. But she was so nice, and she, you know, she gave me a second to get myself together, and she stopped everything, and mm. you know, it, it was very nice. And but I, I mean, the whole day afterwards, I went home, I went and hung out with friends, and I just cried. I cried all day. It was just, 
it was like reality mixed with just scared mixed with I can't believe what I just went through um, and it, it was it, it, my doctor eventually um, I, I, I did start to become funny and um, but we were in one of my appointments and you never you never want to make your nurses mad with the radiation and this one over here decides that she wants to um, my, my nurse comes in and she had a little bit of a belly and she says uh, she, her whisper voice isn't a whisper voice. And so she kind of goes, hey. But that was the quietest. Then as the nurse is walking out, she goes, is she pregnant? What are you... I was like, why don't you not talk? Because you're... Why couldn't hey been louder than that? Why couldn't you whisper, is she pregnant? And so I thought, this is the lady who's running the machine that's going to zap through me. And she wants to be all funny. And she was like, oh, was I that loud? Oh my gosh, Yes. So, um, but I did end up telling my doctor, the radiation doctor, I said, um, cause my scars opened up my radiation or the radiation, oh, um, no. opened up my scar really bad. And, um, we had to like, uh, cause the skin me. was peeling or like yeah. the, okay. Yeah. It was the actual mastectomy incision. Yeah. It completely opened it, it up. It just opened and right up. And she had, um, third degree burns on top of third degree burns in there. And they couldn't stop the radiation because you're right in the middle of that. You've got to continue. Yeah. And despite third degree burns. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because, you know, it was, what, eight weeks? Seven. Nine, seven weeks of, you know, five days a week. Yes. Radiation. And she was working at this time because... So you're we, back to work with your radiation? Yeah. yeah. I had to. And um, she would come, you know, before she left, I'd have to pack the wound. They couldn't close it up because it needs to be able to drain. And so we'd have to pack the wound, and then she'd get home at night, and then, you know, we'd have to change the pack packing out and... Um, I would put some, I think it was silver or something. Yeah, it was some nice silver gel type stuff that yeah, they gave they us. put in the wound and stuff, but it was, it was, it was awful. Were the doctors concerned about infection? They were. They That's were. why they wouldn't mm -hmm. stop it. That's why they wouldn't stop it, but they also wouldn't let it seal up or, um, like sew it or anything, um, because they didn't want to sew it, the infection. It was deep enough that it should have had stitches, but you can't sew infection in there, so we just had to keep packing it and, yeah. Um, oh my god! Yeah, it was it was yeah. pretty bad. I told my um, my radiation doctor I we were in one of the appointments and I didn't I you know you cry so much um, over the diagnosis and you cry at different points because of it. You have some feel sorry for myself days. You have some that are just scared. You know you cry because you feel bad for your family. You cry because it's uncertainty. You I mean you cry for many reasons during your diagnosis, but. Um, I, I got to a point where I, I couldn't cry, you know, I turned it into funniness. I, I laugh at myself. And so my doctor, he didn't really know how to take me because a lot of people go in there and they are still in the dreary mood and they are, you know, they don't laugh. It's not funny. And, mm -hmm. and I didn't know how else to deal with it. And so I just basically said to him, I said, what are you doing to me? And he looks at me and he's been this like tough, like older gentleman that, um, was always so like strict to the business, you know, this is what we're going to do. Da, 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 da. And, um, he kind of stops and he looks at me and he said, what do you mean? And I said, I said, your treatment is killing me. And I was, and I was and he kind of, and he looks at me and he says, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And his eyes welted up yeah. and I was like, oh no, 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 it's okay. I get it. I was like, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> I felt so bad. I mean, this was like such a professional, like straight to the point doctor. And here I've, you know, made him start tearing up because he felt bad that, he felt really bad that there was nothing we could do about it, but just yeah. keep going. Mm -hmm. but keep going. And I think and segment there. I mean, that is so like what breast cancer is. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, we wear pink ribbons, we bring awareness, we talk about it. But to 
I mean, this is so raw. Like, thank you for sharing. Like, like I can visually see the packing of like wounds opening up. And how many stories have we heard where you're like, there is legit a hole yep. in my body yep. Yep. because I had cancer. Right. And yes, we removed the cancer. Maybe because it may have spread to the lymph nodes in other places, but I'm still going through hell, enduring third degree burns. And I have a burn. So let me just ask you, if you got a third degree burn, would you show up the next morning to get more? <laughs> right. And you do. Yeah. And so to circle full back through this like reverse podcast <laughs> that we're doing, <laughs> thank you for showing up. Right? Like, you were showing up for so many reasons. And for so many people. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what this is. And I this think, is for so many people. And I right. think you talked also about, I think you answered the question, but I do just want to ask it more formally. Why do you think during radiation, that's the piece that almost broke you in terms of just coming home and crying versus at this point, you've already gone through treatments of chemotherapy and surgery. So why... Now, um, I think that it was the first time I felt absolutely alone. Um, I felt very alone and I don't know, um, some of it, I know why, but some of it, I think that, um, when you get to your radiation point, some people, they do start seeing it like, you're getting better and they start expecting you to act better and you know it's not in the limelight and um and you know i i had i mean i my my dad was uh he you know he checked on me every day and you know he was not somebody that um that did treat me that way but you know there was a lot of people but it, that day um especially the first radiation day and i think that it it, it kind of went from I, I knew about chemo i didn't know what it did i didn't know everything about it but i did have a little more explanation from the oncologist um and i was aware of chemo um the gist of it the surgery was the same thing but i had no idea anything about the radiation i didn't know what the machine looked like i didn't know anything that entailed I didn't understand it. Maybe they explained it to me, but because of chemo, you don't remember a lot of stuff um, that comes in. Or you don't hear it. You hear it like, hear okay, it. next is, okay, radiation, blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. yeah. And I think that that was, I think it was a combination. Yeah. I I appreciate the advances that are happening in in treatment, in, in practice. I remember talking to my radiologist about this, new technique of breathing when they want you to take a very deep breath before the couple seconds of radiation where they zap where the cancer was. And this idea is that when you take a deep breath, you're expanding the space between your chest and your heart. Okay. And so I was like, well, that's great. I don't, I mean, technically, because for me, I was getting radiation on my left side. So I'm concerned in signing all these consent forms of, I can damage the heart, I can damage the lungs, I can damage blah, blah, blah. These are the long-term effects. If I don't sign here, you know, what are my chances, right? Um, so I remember lying on the table with my blue dots, and this machine comes down, and I think I'm going to be zapped over to Mars, and they tell me to take a deep breath and hold it. And I just remember, and again, I appreciate the techniques, but I have to be cynical and say, 
you are giving me radiation to kill a disease in my body and you are telling me that I take a deep breath and you're going to avoid an inch right. or millimeters from my heart and just that breath is going to be able, like you're having this beam penetrate so many layers but I'm helping the cause by taking a deep breath. Right. And I took the deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone to take the deep breaths because it will help. Because it's what the doctor says. But it's so hard. Yeah. Just understand that you're not alone with that confusion and that difficulty of mm -hmm. why am I taking this deep breath? I'm going to do it, but I, it's like when you it's like when you're a little kid and your parent tells you to go do this and you're like, "Why? This makes no sense. I'm going to do it." But I'm not going to like it, and I don't understand it, but you do it because they say to do it. Yes. And that's, but you, but all your other siblings understand the same frustration and, and know that, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is obnoxious, but we'll do it because it is. Right. So you're not alone. Yeah. Check in the box. I did what was right, and we'll see what happens. Right. So, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay, so this podcast, this live, this everything is going to be like hours. Um, <laughs> does everyone have a kind of pizza, wine, drink? Do we need to take like a little, like a little break? Second yeah. break? <laughs> yeah. And then we will come right back because um, coming up, I have some questions to think about. I want to get back to your relationships. I definitely want to hear more about your story. I know we've kind of interjected and segued, but I would love to get back to like the decision around surgery yeah. and the decision to go flat. Yeah. Because um, I also understand that a lot of people end up going flat because it's not a choice. Right. It's because implants do not work out. It's because of one reason or another. Um, and I definitely have some comments, too, when I was kind of debating my options at that time. Sure. I think that's a really awesome topic. I have a funny story, so I'll remind me of that funny story later. Yes. Oh, okay. funny. I'm writing it down because it came a brain. Yeah, thank you. Um, emotional issues, I think, is a super hot topic, especially with your background in psychology, mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. and as the caregiver. So I think there's a lot of great conversation there. So... Oh my god, this is such a great hook. Stay uh, tuned. Hold on, All right. hold on. Oh, hold, hold on. on, there's more. There's a couple more. Okay. Uh, with regards to uh, the tattoo issue, uh, I'd like you to expand <laughs> upon that. With regards to Pat Summit, I'd like you to expand uh, upon that. That's yeah. A, that's a really good one. It's very honest and it's a real part of your personality. And then with regards to caregiving, sure. just to hear you characterize it and, and define it and help others who are going to be going through this, and I'm giving that speech on Saturday, but <laughs> this is your turn. And uh, ultimately, uh, what guidance you can provide to make it a little bit less onerous and a little bit less intimidating, sure. because it's a very difficult job. Sure, so sure, sure. Maybe that's how we'll close. Yeah, sounds great. Write those down. <laughs> All right, so um, give us five minutes. We'll be back on our live Facebook, and um, stay tuned. All right. Hi guys. Wow, so if that wasn't a hook, I hope you all tune in next week because we are going to have part two of this amazing dialogue. Thanks, and until next time. And thank you everyone for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.